Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Swam Lou, speaking to you after the Raptors lose uh, against what I got to say, I was really impressed by the Knicks. I mean, I know they're good. I know they're on a roll, um, but they came in and played a beautiful game, um, a game that honestly I was pretty envious of watching them play. Uh, but the Raptors lose to the Knicks 119 to 106. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't typically say that about the Knicks. Uh, I know it's something that it's easy to slander the Knicks. It's easy to go at them. But like, you know, they just played straight up much, much better basketball. And of course, it comes down to three point shooting, right? Like the long and the short of the, the game here is like, I don't even think the Raptors played particularly bad. I, I, I disagree with a lot of decisions that Darko made here. And I'll get into those reasons and uh, what I thought, you know, didn't work. Um, but I mean, the long and the short of it is that the three point shooting just decided this game. I mean, we all know the Raptors struggled to shoot from three, but my goodness, six of 32 from three. And that includes a late three from Chris Boucher to give the bench. their only three of the game. Like that's right. The entire Raptors bench only gave them one made three. Meanwhile, the Knicks bench provided them with 11 threes, including seven from Dante DiVincenzo. Um, so when you look at a 16 to six advantage in made threes, um, you're pretty much not going to win. Like you're, I don't know how many decent teams you're ever going to beat in the modern NBA. Now, if you only make six threes, like it becomes a mathematical problem. I actually thought the Raptors moved the ball pretty nicely inside the paint. Um, you know, the, the Knicks are tough to score on just in general. They're what the fourth best defense in the league, but also they have really good rim protection. They always have great physicality in the lane. It's tough to get there in the first place. And then when you do, they got a great shot blocker, Mitchell Robinson, um, who also got a whole bunch of deflections today. Uh, they also got Isaiah Hartenstein, who does a decent job of being in position, always in position, um, big body to finish over. And even their guards like Brunson, you know, who was probably the weakest defender in their rotation, you would say. He stepped in for two charges, and those charges both erased and won. So that's six points off the board, um, just erased through charges alone, let alone the fact that that's a momentum uh, shifter, too. It's such an energy giver. Obviously, we know what charges do in Toronto, having watched Kyle Lowry for so long. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a huge, huge, huge discrepancy. And you got to give the Knicks credit. They really moved the ball beautifully to get those threes. Um, anytime that, you know, Randall was in the lane, I thought he did an amazing job of, you know, muscling, holding his position. And even when the Raptors doubles came, still spinning to the right opportunities to then make the passes out. He had nine assists today. A whole bunch of those were for three on kickouts. And of course, it helped that the Knicks were, you know, making um, good shots. But I mean, like 44% is not like, an impossible percentage. It's not like they like shot 60 or 70% or something from three. Like they had great ball movement and they were just able to knock them down. And of course you also have Brunson. Brunson is always able to do his thing. Um, you know, I thought he was able to really attack Dennis Schroeder quite a bit in that one-on-one matchup. Um, Brunson knocking down a, a bunch of uh, mid range jumpers when the game was closer in the first half, um, just over top of, of uh, Dennis. And then later in the game, when the game became more open, Brenton was able to get into the lane and then make those instant touch passes out uh, for more threes from the Knicks. So just overall, very, very impressed. 
um, by the Knicks. Like you're telling me that they have their two star players who are both able to score and distribute, but also you have a great supporting cast, including a large bench that you can now count on. Um, I mean, my large bench, I mean, nine players, uh, it played for the Knicks today, including four off the bench. And, and given how Tibbs has typically run his teams, four guys off the bench playing a pretty significant role. Each of them is actually pretty good, but also they have four guys who fully deserve it. Like, you know, pretty much every bench player who came off the bench for the Knicks thoroughly outplayed, you know, their counterpart in Toronto's. And in fact, I would take any of these four bench players over any of the four, (laughs) any of the six bench players, the Raptors brought off their bench. Uh, so that just speaks to a talent disparity that I think the Knicks have actually done a really good job of acquiring more and more pieces to add to this group uh, around a clear identity that they have around Brunson um, and Randall, um, who I think is playing you know quite well of late. Like, yeah, again, I'm just I <laughs> didn't think I'd be envious of the Knicks, but genuinely uh, I, I'm envious of sort of how they played and how they executed. But from the Raptors perspective, um, you know, a couple things. I thought basically two guys played well for the Raptors tonight, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. And Scotty, I thought, was awesome. Probably his best game of the season. I mean, he came one assist shy of a uh, four-by-five game. He had 29 points, nine rebounds, four assists, five steals, and a block in 37 minutes. His activity was just off the charts. He was excellent, played great defense as well. Um, you know, it's not his fault that the Knicks started getting going. Like you can only do so much. Um, but he was super active, even down to the wire. He was jumping out of bounds to, to save loose balls, to keep the ball alive. So the Raptors can get out and break like stuff like that. Taking it end to end confidently knocking down mid range jumpers, uh, three point shots, hit back to back threes, hit back to back mid range jumpers. Didn't get to the foul line much. Nobody really got to the foul line much on either end. Um, you know, I thought the Knicks did a really great job of shutting down the paint, as you would expect them to do. That should be the number one thing that you would want to do against Toronto. And yeah, whatever. If the Raptors get some open threes, you live with it because, you know, they'll shoot six of 32 from three. Um, but Scotty was awesome. And, you know, I don't want that to be glossed over uh, in, in this game. Scotty was so good. Um, and Pascal, I thought, was also really, really good to start the game. Um, you know, Pascal's three-point struggles continue. 0-4 from three, but... In a game where, again, the Knicks had so many um, defenders in the paint, whether that was guys taking charges, whether that was guys, you know, uh, you know, playing the gaps and, and, and really making it difficult to drive and stripping the ball. And, and of course, once you get there, actual seven footers who can really block your shot, who are constantly in the lane because Jakob's in there. You know, Pascal did a, a great job of finishing around the basket. You know, a pair of turnaround jumpers, uh, both contested, but both really, really smooth. I think Pascal over the last like two, three weeks has been a much better player going off of two feet. That allows him to get to his shot a lot smoother, um, uh, given more options in terms of step throughs, drawing some fouls. Um, but also, I thought he was showed some fearlessness too, like going and attacking the paint in a game where you know, nobody else was from the Raptors was really succeeding. I mean, offensively, if you were looking at disappointments, I would look at OJ and Obi, 4-13 in 27 minutes, ended up committing five fouls, so he was out for foul trouble at certain times. But, like, you know, you needed way more offensive production from him. You had wide-open threes for OG. And this is the thing I, I always say, like, you can't compare his production or his efficiency to other players efficiencies because you know some players actually have to create the offense versus some players have to get the chance to finish 
OG's pretty much strictly a finisher most times, and even the wide-open opportunities he was asked to finish, he wasn't able to complete those. Um, and, of course, when he tries to attack and generate, like, that's not really going to go well. So, you know, that was a struggle. I thought Dennis really struggled to score today. You needed him to knock down outside shots. He's been shooting well from three in the season, but goes one of six from three. Uh, I thought defensively also that uh, Brunson really gave him lots of issues. I mean, it's not like Dennis was like lost or anything. He just wasn't big enough to sort of guard against Brunson, who does manage to play much bigger than his uh, 6'3 frame. Um, and then off the bench, I mean, basically just Boucher played a well, like, and, and Wells relative context, you know, like Boucher came in and, and, and did some good things. There's no doubt, but like that alone is not going to offset, you know, look at all the contributions of Nick Scott. Hart and C was really good off their bench, rebounded the ball. Well, contested a bunch of shots, four points, but you know, played good defense, you know, eight rebounds. That's exactly what you want from him. Josh Hart, 17 uh, points, eight rebounds, two assists, a block, plus 11 to 30 minutes. Like, that's awesome. That's really, really awesome. And he had a huge stretch there in the third quarter where he scored 15 points. Like, which bench player for the Raptors can score 15 points in a quarter? You know, and all within the flow. Not like anything forced, nothing like that. Just smart cuts, relocating for threes, getting open, getting out on the break. Just great stuff, right? Dante DiVincenzo. Looking like this was uh, Villanova's championship game again. 21 points, including seven threes. Like, that's tough. You know, it didn't do that much else. But, you know, we've been begging for one of these games from Gary. He hasn't given us this season. Gary on the on the counterpart, four points in 23 minutes, two of six. So uh, Villanova or Duke once in, in that matchup. Quickly, you know, I thought he would really come in and torch, but he didn't even get the ball that much. But in the moments he did get the ball, drawing fouls, using his quickness, you know, getting on the break, doing a good job, 10 points. Uh, three of six shooting 19 uh, minutes off the bench. Like Raptors guys just weren't doing that. And like, I don't want to say this every single show, but like, you know, precious Malachi, Gary McDaniels, like a lot, like given how they have played this year for a lot of teams, they wouldn't even get minutes. Like if you were on the Knicks, who would any of those four guys get minutes over? You know, I'm not saying that that's their quality as players. I get that they're having down years, but you know, they wouldn't play and like it's to the point where a lot of people are calling for auto porter myself included but also at the same time it's like you know if you want to develop you want to show that you know you have something more here that Duncan can bring more out of these guys you got to give these young players minutes to to play and develop and give them confidence the whole malachi flynn storyline uh what can they do with gary and, and gary made a couple of nice passes but like we need we need scores we really need scores off the bench and um, we need anything off the bench and you just don't get it from these guys. But listen, the starters didn't really, you know, hold their own either. And, you know, you could say all this and, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, this is a roster construction thing that will be talked to death. I think that this is sort of where everybody is. Everyone wants to talk roster construction, roster construction. Um, and that's fair. We, we can leave a little bit of space at the end of the show for this. But I think for me, in this game, my biggest disappointment was in the coaching perspective. Um, the Raptors have played the Knicks a lot in, in recent years. I mean, obviously, in the same division, they're going to play each other four times a year, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, and the Knicks haven't changed the roster that much. Like, I kind of understand how they are. Last year, the Raptors beat them three times and, and lost one game, and that game ran a one-off for three. He had, like, six threes in the first quarter. It was something ridiculous. Um, but the Raptors beat them three times out of four last year. And I thought a lot of what they did worked really well. Um, what they did last year in terms of matchups was they put OJ and Obi on Julius Randle. They also, you know, mirrored their minutes so that OG was on Julius. Um, 
and you know they put some length on uh brunson did fred have some possessions guarding brunson last year of course right that's point guard versus point guard it's gonna happen but they also put a lot of Scotty Barnes on Brunson and used a length to contest his jump shooting, to be able to switch some screens if needed, um, just to be able to force him to shoot over length. Because you can see he's a great pull-up shooter in addition to being a really good all-around player in general. Um, I thought those matchups worked. And coming into this game, I, I get this is a different coach, but that's not the matchup they went with. You know, like you start this game off and the Raptors put Dennis on Brunson, which... Look, Dennis is a, is a good on-ball defender for sure, but like Brunson, like the way he's able to play bully ball as a guard is really impressive. I don't think Dennis is big enough to really to contest with that, um, you know, and yeah, Brunson clearly got off. Like he was the majority of their offense in the first half. Uh, he was really leading the way, you know. Um, they had Pascal guarding a lot of Julius Randle in this game, and I don't hate that matchup, but I disliked what they did around Julius because what they did was, okay, Julius is going to post up. And this season, Julius has really been a post up hub. He was really getting downhill, really forcing his way into the paint and then putting the defense in a position where they got to send help and then reading that help and making the kickout passes. Um, it's very different from his approach last year, which was a lot of jab, jab, jab jumpers. Um, and so you should know that coming into this game, though. You should, you should, like you obviously. If I know that, some uh, you know, your advanced scout should know that. Um, and so, you know, the Raptors treated him like he was it was Embiid or something. Like they just they actually used the same strategy against Embiid. They had somebody guard and and try to prevent Randall from going middle in the post ups, forcing him to spin baseline, and then bringing help on that spin on the baseline where they would hopefully bring somebody who would cut off the passes along that baseline with that hard trap on the double team uh, and then force them to keep the ball on one side of the floor and then rotate from there, which is a shorter rotation versus if the pass makes it across, which happens so often today, the pass will go across and there's an open corner shooter. There's an open swing, swing to another shooter. You beat the rotations. The Knicks did a lot of that today and the Knicks moved the ball beautifully. 30 assists for them is really, really good. They're not typically that high of an assist team, but their ball movement tonight was excellent. I, I didn't like that strategy. I want OG and OB guarding Julius Randle single coverage. Oh, I've seen OG guard Julius Randle a ton. Like obviously Randle's been on the Knicks for forever and not forever, but for like three, four years. And OG's been here forever, like his whole NBA career. He's done a good job guarding Randall. Let him do it. Don't give him all this help. Don't overhelp. Like, what, what happened? Like, why are we all of a sudden giving this much? If, if Randall goes off and scores 35, 36 points on OG and OB, and the Raptors can't contend with that, I'll live with it. I'll shake Julius Randall's hand and just say, you know what? Good for you, man. Like, you you know, you you killed it tonight. Like, he you, you, you would genuinely deserve that, right? But I just don't think that that's what would have happened. And also what ultimately did happen was the Raptors, okay, fine, even if you want to do this idea that Darko put in, which is like the double and, and all that kind of stuff, then your your doubles have to be crisp, you have to play physical, and then your rotations behind have to be excellent. And all night the Raptors struggled with finding those rotations behind. It's the same kind of deal when they played the Sixers. The rotations behind the ball were terrible. And so the Sixers got a lot of open threes, and they scored with ease. And... You know, it was the same kind of deal. Honestly, the Knicks kind of gave you like a discount version of what the Sixers give you. You know, Brunson being not quite maxi, but like, you know, giving you that kind of like lead guard production. And then Randall being that post up brute that's able to also set up guys. 
And the Raptors' rotations just weren't good enough for that. Like, I, I, I would have loved to see it completely differently. In fact, when the Raptors play the Knicks again in a couple weeks, I would love to see it really differently. Because what they did tonight was not it. Like, really, really was not it. And that's putting aside the fact that, okay, the Knicks got some hot three-point shooting. I'll live with that. But, like, 16 to 36 isn't even hot in the modern NBA. It just feels hot in Toronto because, like, we have basically, like, frigid three-point shooting. Um, but, like... It, I don't know. Like, would you tell me if the Knicks shot 16 or 36 again? I wouldn't be that surprised. But I don't even want them to get those quality of looks in the first place because you are double teaming, because you are not putting the right matchups on Brunson. And yeah, I don't know. That That's the part that annoyed me. Also annoying me is just like continuously playing the, you know, four bench guys with one starter. First off, there are not four bench guys on the Raptors right now productive enough to continuously warrant being played. Right? Can we start? Th- we can start there, right? Like the yes, some guys have good nights, um, but consistently, if you t- like, you got to go back through the whole season. And there's been 20 games for the Raptors this season. How many games have the Raptors had where they've had even three productive bench players at once in the same game? Let alone four, and let alone four all together at once. Because it's not like the bench comes in and they got their own identity. This ain't the bench mob coming in and, and doing their thing. This is like. You know, McDaniels looking confused out there. Chris Boucher, you know, playing in and out of the rotation. Sometimes he's not in, but then he comes in and then he makes an impact. Then he plays Precious. I don't even want to highlight everything Precious does, but he, he was a minus 22 tonight. Uh, Gary Trent has been really, really hot and cold and mostly cold. Four points on minus 18, two of six from the field. Malachi, despite all the hugs, is still zero points, 11 minutes, 0 for 2 from the field. Um you know, not making that big of an impact. Like, there, you can't find me four productive bench players on most given nights, let alone putting all four of them together so that they all individually put their struggles on each other. Um, you know, and then you force the starter, the, the one starter in there to be exceptional. And Scotty was exceptional. That's the thing. Scotty was exceptional. In the first half, I was like, okay, Scotty plus four bench guys, what are they going to do? Well, Precious is going to travel. Malachi is going to give up a, a bucket to quickly. Uh, Precious is going to airball a jump hook from two feet away. Um, you know, and, and you know, what, what are they really going to do? Well, at that point, Scotty comes in, knocks down back-to-back mid-range jumpers. Scotty then blocks Isaiah Hardenstein. Scotty then um, drives the full length of the floor, throws a no-look pass to Chris Boucher. Beautiful stuff. Boucher drops the ball so they don't get the layup. Then Scotty gets the steal, runs out. Scotty goes the other way. This time he does set up Boucher for the dunk. Uh, Scotty then pressures the ball, forces a turnover on the Knicks. Like he was doing everything, and and he had to do everything because that's w- what it took for the Raptors to actually come back and keep that game close and tied at halftime. Was Scotty was amazing, and you know, having said that though, the Raptors just were not really able to actually capitalize on that group because of the fact that he's getting weighed down. Like these four other guys aren't really doing much, and then Darko does the thing that he did in the previous game as well which gave me a lot of nerves watching that was this time at the end of the third quarter and whatever the starters didn't play well enough. The Knicks came out, they moved the ball beautifully. This is when Randall really started to, you know, give them so many problems in the post up again, the Raptors double teams were just not coming quick enough and the rotations were not crisping up behind them. But, um, you know, they got the ball, you know, to the point where it was like, okay, they, they, you know, they were leading in, in the second half. And when the Raptors were starting to leak oil, Darko decides to go to an OG plus four bench guys lineup. I'm sorry. Scotty plus four bench guys is like somewhat digestible. You know, I can, I can feel okay with that, 
because of the fact that Scotty has that ability to raise the, the level of the whole group, he could save them. OG absolutely cannot save them, especially on a night where he was ice cold. He came in the game, he was like one of eight. And and he's supposed to first off, when is OG generating offense for others? When is OG actually generating offense for himself in an efficient way? But then you want him to do that with four other guys that the other team's not guarding? Like, damn. How is that how is that how is that sensible? How is that sensible from Darko? It just, I, I get it. I want him to play. I, I want him to develop guys. I want him to use, you know, uh, keep guys involved so that, you know, you have some ability to contribute. But the end result cannot be this bad. OG plus bench is just not a good idea on paper. Like, you don't even need to test that out. You can just figure that out because you know that that skill set paired with the bench skill set wouldn't work. Like, not only should you not use that lineup as a coach, like, your average fan on 2K wouldn't use that lineup. You know? And, and this is what happens in that lineup. Gary tries to drive downhill uh, with Mitchell Robinson in the lane and, or no, Isaiah Hardenstein in the lane and tries to turn the corner and finish over the top of seven footer. Not, not his strength, misses a layup. The Knicks go the other way. They're able to score. Then Chris Boucher allows uh, Josh Hart to rip right through him and drive past him for a layup. Where's the physicality to cut off the drives and the penetration? Good move by Hart for sure. And he was hot already against the starters. So it's not his fault, not Boucher's fault ultimately, but still not good. Malachi misses uh, a runner in the lane. Um, you know, the Raptors are trying to run an inbound play. And this is how you know that group doesn't know each other. Cause like, like they're just trying to draw an inbound play. And first off, the Knicks commit a foul. I think Josh Hart committed a foul. So then they go to the free throw line and the Raptors shooting a technical free throw. Instead of giving it to Balancai, who's been an 80 plus percent free throw shooter, they give it to Gary, who I think historically has been an 80 plus free point shooter, but this or free throw shooter, but this year he's like in the sixties or something. He goes to the free throw line and misses the free throw. Like, just annoying really just a little bit of like okay that's a free point that they gave you but you don't take the free point and then they go back to the inbound play and og inbounds the ball to malachi malachi drops it going out of bounds and it was a bad pass too like where is the connection we just wasted a whole play meanwhile the knicks call timeout josh uh, uh, tom thibodeau is like all right how do i punish this lineup as much as possible and they drop a great after timeout play and they give josh Hart an open three and he knocks it down once again um you know, the Raptors run offense the other way. Like, the ball gets tipped three, four times. Somehow, OG's able to recover it, find pressures for a layup. That was just lucky. But the, the Knicks got two deflections on that same play. That should have been a, a missed shot. And then, with two seconds left in the in the, in the the quarter, Precious ends up fouling Emmanuel quickly, sending him to the foul line, who makes both. Like, just stuff like that, where it's like, it just kills your chance of coming back for a momentum. And, yeah, the Raptors came back, and... You know, Darko's trying different lineups like Dennis, Scotty, OG, Boucher, Precious. What? What is that? What is that? Like, first up, I want OG in the game to guard, um, to guard against uh, Randall. But so many times he's using OG as like an offensive option. You know, like you can choose to mirror your minutes as a defender to the opposing opposing scoring option, but then you can't use that same scoring option then to build around your lineups because you you can't just fully time your rotations with your opponent's rotations, right? You're either using OG for defense or using for offense. If you're using for offense, then you need other guys to pick up for him defensively and you need OG to produce offensively. None of that was happening today. And Dennis, Scotty, OG, Boucher, Precious, like, okay, uh, what? Like, I guess Dennis is supposed to be the shooter in that group. Uh, Scotty's the point guard, you know, like, okay, but, you know, whatever. It, it they would mostly got some uh, plays off of putbacks and, and and defense. Again, a lot of that is just hustle. Then pass, and then OG picks up his fifth foul on a pretty dumb play where he just goes. He like does a running screen into Josh Hart. Like, 
that was not great. OG also bumped his face. I mean, he'll be fine, but like, you know, maybe drew some blood. And then Pascal comes in to replace OG. This time Boucher gets headbutted by Josh Hart. No call. The Knicks go the other way for a three, 15 point lead. And yeah, the Raptors do some nice interior passing, but it's like the Raptors would do, you know, nice tic-tac-toe passing to get two points. And the Knicks would just drive, kick, collapse, kick out for three and knock down a three. Like they're playing two different sports, like two just different sports. Like, it's not like the Raptors don't know the three-point line exists, but they they can't hit. Man. They just can't hit. Like, they can't hit at all. And, yeah, I mean, it's frustrating for sure. Like, I think, I, again, I give the Knicks a lot of credit. They came in and played amazing. I, w- I really, really want to not just say that, like, the Raptors lose, therefore this is all we focus on. Like, I, the Knicks played great basketball today. And I haven't said that in a very, very long time. So credit to that franchise. Um but the Raptors, I didn't understand the rotations. I didn't understand the matchups. And I understand that their three their bench is not short like good on talent. And their three point shooting is is inconsistent at best. But this is one of the Raptors' worst performances from three all season. Six of thirty-two. Uh and you're never gonna win any games like that. It's gonna be demoralizing when you miss so many open threes. Um and then also it doesn't help when your rotations aren't really there. Because again, you, you there's a there's a universe where the Raptors defense stepped up to sort of keep this game close, but they couldn't do that partially because the Knicks got hot from three, but also partially because the Raptors didn't have the right defensive matchups and didn't know how to double team. And, and at a basic level, I put that on the coaching because the three point shooting can come and go. I put that on more on the front office for choosing which players to bring in. Cause obviously you bring inconsistent three point shooters. You can't be surprised that they shoot bad sometimes. Um, but the coaching I thought was not there. And you know, in terms of assembling talent, like, listen, I'm not saying that, um, I, I'm not saying that like I need the Raptors to copy everything the Knicks do. Although ironically, there is a lawsuit involving this exact issue, but you know we've covered that a lot in the show. That doesn't actually have to do anything with this. But like you look at the Knicks acquisitions over the years, right? And I, I get it. Knicks are they're in New York City. They're a historic franchise. I get it. They're a joke. But also at the same time, you know they can pull. They can pull some free agents. They they bring in Jalen Brunson. You know a long term solution at point guard who is a clear cut star player. Clear cut, no period. Just, just excellent player, right? That's a pretty good acquisition. If the Raptors had signed Jalen Brunson, that would literally be the best signing in franchise history by a mile. Um, you know they're able to surround that kind of talent. They've drafted Mitchell Robinson. They've drafted Quentin Grimes. Those guys, Robinson, I thought did a good job defensively tonight. Wasn't as involved, but that's not his job. Uh, Grimes just wasn't really it at all. But whatever. They have bench guys. They're able to bring in an Isaiah Hardenstein uh, on like a. Maybe he's making a mid-level, I think. Like, it's a pretty damn good deal. Raptors look forever for a center and finally traded some actual assets to get Jakob Pertl. And meanwhile, the Knicks are just like, let's just grab Hardenstein on the mid-level. Makes sense. Josh Hart, let's trade for him mid-season. Um, and the Josh Hart thing, and whatever, I'm not saying that, like, I, I think Josh Hart's a better player than OG. I know, but he's not. But is Josh Hart plus Shaden Sharp a better player than OG Anobi or a better package than OG Anobi? Um, because that's essentially what Portland was offering, according to the reports out of Portland at that time. Seventh pick plus Josh Hart. And the Raptors kind of just either that deal was on the table or not. Who knows? These are all these are all nefarious. You can't really get a straight answer out of anybody. But that was two years ago. How would you feel on this team if you had Josh Hart who could do eighty percent of what OG can do? Plus Shaden Sharp, who is like an amazing, amazing prospect who is making this jump right now, who's a score, the exact type of player you would try to trade for if you want to pair a long-term scoring option along with Scotty, right? Um, 
Dante DiVincenzo. They sign him on the mid-level. Makes sense. I mean, look, the Raptors did, got a good mid-level signing too. Dennis Schroeder didn't play like his best today, but you know, ultimately he's been a productive player. There's no doubt. Uh, but they bring in Dante. You know, uh, they've drafted quickly. Like they've done a really good job of acquiring that group. They don't have bad salaries moving forward. Um, they have places that they can move. You know, in and out. And I get it. They they tanked. They they were bad for a couple years, a long time, really. So they're able to acquire more things than the Raptors, who were more successful in that time. But if you look at like trajectory moving forward. The Knicks have better assets than the Raptors. Like, Scotty is a better asset than pretty much anybody on the Knicks. But besides that, the Knicks have done a good job su- providing supporting a group around them, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, you, you could think about the front office. You could think about the coaching. And the individual performances, of course, the guy's got to do better. Like, I'm sorry, but OG, like, nine points on 4-13 shooting when you're being spoon-fed on offense— not enough. I get that you're great defensively. Go cool. I mean, it'll be great, better if, if if Dark will put you on the right matchup. But still, like, I'm not gonna complain about his defense pretty much ever. Um, but you know, offensively, there's a there's a big limitation there. You know, Dennis and Yak couldn't get the pick and roll going all that much. I kind of wish they ran a little bit more just to see what Brunson, what, what Robinson could do. But spacing wise, it wasn't really there. Pascal, I thought, did a good job, but ultimately, I need the threes to come in too. Like everything else about his game, I'm actually feeling really good about right now. But I, I gave the stats. I think on the last 13 games, Pascal's literally shooting less than 10% from three. 10%. And there are very open shots that he's not making. And, and it's non negotiable. Like you actually do need that extra one or two threes that you should get from Pascal based on these wide open looks. And it's going to be on the scouting report more and more just ignore him. And that's going to add even more uh, strain on sort of what the, the the Raptors can operate with in the lane. And of course, every bench guy should, you know, Boucher with the exception today, but even Boucher had a lot of missed opportunities. Um, but the rest of the bench guys, like they can't just come in and just do this little it just it's it's tough to watch and overall i think the physicality in the knicks was much stronger but i guess i'm not too surprised on that front because because it's a tom thibodeau team so again congrats to the knicks they they, they look great they're improving to 12 and 7 and um second half of back-to-back even after a close game in detroit yesterday they still come through and and get the win on the road so kudos to them. But uh, yeah, in terms of your Gerald, uh, in terms of your three stars to wrap up the show, uh, Scotty's your first star, 29 points, nine rebounds, four assists, five steals, a block. His energy was great. His confidence was great. Knocking down threes. His pregame fit was great. You know, Christine St. Clair, repping Christine St. Clair, his uh, his Bowlway teammate. I mean, uh, that's awesome, man. He, he, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Christine St. Clair is like literally a, a Canadian icon. Um, and then Scotty backed it up too. It was it was great two way production. Um, he can't do it alone, um, but he did so much of it alone, and he did so much of it at a great level. Your second star is going to go to Pascal. Twenty one points, eight rebounds, three assists, uh, seven of sixteen shooting, seven of eight from the foul line. Again, I loved his attacks. I mean, he's he looks a lot more calm and steady. His finishing a lot better. Again, going off of two feet, using that mid range jumper when he needs to, but still being super efficient around the basket. You need that three to, to come around, but ultimately he did a really great job um, and played well. Um, and then your third star, probably give it a Chris. I mean, I, there's, I think maybe a case for Jakob. I mean, it wasn't really his fault. Um, and he did run the floor hard. Uh, you know, actually, I'll give it to Jakob. 12 points, 12 rebounds is pretty damn good. And assists, two blocks, six or nine shooting from the field uh, in 28 minutes. It's kind of exactly what you want from Jakob. Uh, I didn't think he was the issue. Uh, although I would have preferred if he came over, m- like, stronger on the help, uh, more aggressive on the help against Randall in the post, because a lot of times they're asking him to come over and help. And, you know, uh, Randall was still able to make passes across the lane. I mean, you just need to provide better defense on that front. But 
Yes, it's yeah, yeah, Yak outplayed his matchup, so good, good for him. Your Gerald Henderson award winner. I mean, take your pick, honestly. It could go a lot of places. Um, you know, Josh Hart. You know, Dante Divincenzo. I'll probably go with Josh Hart though. The 15 points in the third quarter that was a separating um, quarter for the Knicks. They won that one, 33 to 20. And of course, the Raptors missed some opportunities. The Raptors had a lot of open threes in that one. They just couldn't hit. Like in terms of shot quality, they probably got the same like you know XG as like the Knicks. You know, to to borrow a soccer term as I love to do, but. The Raptors had no conversion. Meanwhile, the Knicks converted all of them. So Josh Hart was a big part of that. 15 points of his 17 coming in the third quarter. But he was excellent, man. Great hustle player. Comes in with tremendous energy. Attacks the glass. Does smart things. Knows how to play off of his old Villanova teammates. You know, really, really good complimentary piece. And yeah, you know, you, you sometimes you do look at some what ifs, but whatever. I, I guess you can only deal with what you have. And what you have is the Raptors are a 9-11 through 20 games. Masai was on the broadcast as part of, um, you know, Giants of Africa night, which is awesome. It's a huge thing that comes through once a year. And Masai was asked about the broadcast, um, about what he wants to do with the team. And I look, I wasn't expecting him to give a clear cut answer, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> the long and short of it is you'll keep evaluating. So we'll keep watching the, the, the Raptors stay roughly at 500. So thanks everyone for listening. Please continue to rate, review, subscribe to the Raptor show. And uh, yeah, if you haven't already, make sure you catch Friday's episode. We went into the mailbag, um, you know, and, you know, had a really good time. Honestly, it was, it was a more lighthearted episode. I would say have had a lot of those this season and um, yeah, check that out whether over the weekend or not, the Raptors don't play this weekend. So at least you can kind of chill, enjoy. They don't play again until next Wednesday. So, um, yeah, probably can see a lot of things, you know, to be worked on in practice. It's kind of like an in-season break almost uh, because obviously of the in-season tournament. So there's a lot of things the Raptors could really use time to work on. And they have been in a really busy stretch, eight games and 13 nights recently, wrapping up tonight. So, um, recoup get your energy try to address some things and you know improve around the margins but ultimately you know the the talent might just be what the talent is and probably is that case so thanks all for listening uh i've been your host willu and yeah have a nice weekend